everyone. Hopefully you all are doing well today. You all look good. Thank you for joining us here face-to-face. And also thank you for those of you who are uh, tuning in on Facebook Live. Thank you for uh, joining us for our worship gathering. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount is, is gospel. This is something that I've been reminding you all uh, for the past few weeks now, that the Sermon on the Mount is gospel. It is not law, nor does it add to the law. The sermon actually provides kingdom convictions that lead to human wholeness and human flourishing according to the way of Christ. Jesus preaches the gospel, preaches grace throughout this sermon. And this grace-filled preaching continues today in Matthew 7, verses 1 through 12. Matthew 7, verses 1 through 12. The title of today's message is, You Better Watch Yourself. You Better Watch Yourself. I figured I'd get some giggles from that title, but y'all are a hard crowd. Uh, My main point, my one main point in today's sermon is is, is this. The way of wholeness gives all of God's beloved sons and daughters freedom to watch over their lives as they love God and their neighbor. The way of wholeness gives freedom to God's beloved sons and daughters to evaluate their own life as they relate to God and relate to other people. Now, please pray with and for me. Holy Spirit, as I pray each week, I pray again today and we'll continue to pray as long as I am the pastor of the village church. And that is, I need you to move. I need you to take these words, these 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 notes and these, this, this sermon and apply it to my heart first. The preacher needs grace. The preacher needs Jesus. The preacher needs forgiveness. And so minister to my mind and minister to the minds and hearts of of every person that is in the sanctuary and every person that that is tuning in on on Facebook Live. And so, Holy Spirit, I I pray that that for those of us who are tuning in and and are here that are believers, that, that you will give us the humility we need to worship in spirit and truth. Give us the humility that we need to, to come to, to the preach word without an agenda. We come with our hearts wide open and saying, Spirit, minister to me. Correct me, rebuke me, encourage me, give me what I need. And for those who are here and tuning in who don't know Christ, Holy Spirit, tug away at their hearts. Chip away at their heart of stone. Restore, regenerate that heart so that they may see Jesus as beautiful and as the only one who can give them peace with the Father. And I pray for all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Waikita and I uh, live in Decatur, Alabama, uh, before we moved uh, to Huntsville. And one of my uh, favorite spots uh, was a mom-and-pop uh, coffee shop. I spent 
many days uh, doing seminary work in that particular coffee shop. I mean, I would go there at nine, don't leave to five. And that was my life while I was still in seminary. And, and on one of those days, I overheard a, a father having an intense conversation with his daughter. They, and he was, he, and I wasn't eavesdropping, okay, that he was just talking loud. And so everyone in the coffee shop can hear what this dad was saying to his daughter. You see, that they were, they were talking about life, talking about employment, talking about this. Give, this dad was trying to give his daughter some practical life wisdom from his own experiences in life. And he gave her a lot of advice that day. But there was one comment he made that I haven't forgotten in all these years. He said to her, the new golden rule is the person with the gold sets the rules. Take a moment. Give those words some thought. Don't gloss over them. The new golden rule is the person with the gold sets the rules. You see, functionally, functionally, if we're honest with ourselves, many of us believe this golden rule. While confessionally, we believe the golden rule given by Christ. See, in Matthew 7, Christ gives us his golden rule. He says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, you also should do to them. For this is the law and the prophets. There's often a disconnect between what we confessionally and functionally believe as Christians. A disconnect in, in how we functionally live and how we confessionally live. You see, confessional is what you say you believe. Confessional is what you say you're going to do. But while, while functional is what you actually believe and how you actually live in the main street of your life. Many times, there's a big difference between the two. They're not always the same in your life. And you see this inconsistency in how you apply the, the new golden rule and Jesus' golden rule. Confessionally, you believe, due to other people, what you will have them do unto you. But functionally, in the places where you really live, you live by the new golden rule. The person with the gold sets the rules. The person with the gold sets the rules. And guess what Jesus had to say to, it, to each of us this morning? You better watch yourself. You better watch yourself. Evaluate your confessional and functional life. Discern which golden rule you actually believe and live out on the main street of your life. Saints and guests, Jesus desires his people to confessionally and functionally believe in his golden rule. In first Matthew 7, verse 12, do unto other people what you will want them to do unto you. Love and relate to people that way, the way that is according to Christ. Professor Jonathan Pennington I'm using his uh, commentary a lot on the Sermon on the Mount and you know, doing my prep work. And, he's, and he writes, Matthew 7, verse 12, beautifully summarizes the way of being in the world that no amount of rules or regulations 
could ever encompass or hope to promote. The golden rule is not so much a rule, but a vision. It is an invitation to virtue by giving a vision of how to relate to other people. Jesus' golden rule and the new golden rule are both visions of how you can relate to other people in your life. Do you relate to them? Do you relate to these people by doing unto them what you would have them do unto you? Or do you relate to them with the new golden rule that says the person with the goal sets the rules? Again, watch yourself, folks. Watch yourself. A metal detector is an electronic instrument that detects the presence of metals like gold and silver and copper. These devices are, are useful for finding metals and metal inclusions hidden in other objects. They help you find metals that are that's buried under sand. Like if you go into the beach, you may see people walking around with a metal detector. They're looking for stuff, they're looking for jewelry, looking for coins. Similarly, some people Christians and non-Christians, they function like metal detectors. They themselves are the detector, and they are not hunting for metals and jewelry. These individuals are hunting for sins, the sins of other people. I call these individuals the fault detectors. You know some. You may even be one. These individuals, they, they, they can detect the flaws and the shortcomings and the issues and weaknesses of other people. Their fault detectors, are, they beep all the time when they detect sin in other people. Beep, 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 beep. Beep, beep, beep. Beep, beep, beep. You come over to this person. Beep, beep, beep. And these beeps are judgmental beeps, shaming beeps, guilting beeps condemning beeps beep 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 these fault detectors they function out of the new golden rule as they relate to other people for people with the goal sets the rules you see fault detectors they believe they have goals in their own mind in their own imaginary mind they believe they have goals you know what the goal is is their more standard and their moral standard becomes the standard for everybody else. Their moral standard is a golden moral standard that, that, that fault detectors impose on other people. It's a standard that they hold other people to. It's a measuring tape that they use to measure the morality of a person's life. And when that person falls short of that standard, then they unfairly judge them. They condemn them. Saints and guests. How are you relating to the other people in your life, in person and on social media, to family, to friends, co-workers, church family, kids, spouses, your boss, your employees, your neighbors? Are you a fault detector hunting for their sins just so you can call them out? Are you relating out of the, the new golden rule? The one with the golden moral standard sets the rules for everybody else. Where are you? Please receive this. Jesus wants his beloved people to.
to confessionally and functionally be different and consistent. The new golden rule isn't for them. It's not a, a way of wholeness. Being a, a moral fault detector isn't for Christians. It's not a way of wholeness either. The, the, you see, the way of wholeness, it leads Christ's people to watch their own life before they watch the life of other people. The way of wholeness, it leaves Christians, beloved sons and daughters, to watch over their own life before they watch over the life of others. And who are Jesus' people? Who are they? His people are those who believe he died on the cross for all their sins and was raised from the dead for their salvation. Those are his people. His people aren't people who just know stories about him, who know all the Sunday school stories about Christ. No, his people are people who confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their hearts that God raised him from the dead. Those are his people. And Jesus' people, they know him and they trust him in saving faith. Listen, I know a lot of things about LeBron James, but I don't know him. I know things about him, and that's different. Some of you know a lot of things about Jesus, but you really don't know him. You don't know him, know him. You just know the stories. But do you know him personally? This is what Jesus says about his people. He says, he says his people hear his voice, and he knows them, and they follow him. And he gives them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither, not, neither shall a man pluck them out of his hand. Those are his people. And if you are not saved today, then Jesus' hands are extending out to you. They're extending out to you. He invites you to receive peace with God. He invites you to, to receive forgiveness of all your sins, past, present, and future. Jesus welcomes you with all your mess. He doesn't tell you, go clean that snot off your nose, then come to me. Come to me and let me clean the snot off. Come to me and let me get the boogers out of your nose. Let me do that. And if you say, I don't want Jesus to do that, then you don't want Jesus to clean you. But that's what he does. He cleans you. Now, you may be here and look nice, smell nice, but if you don't know Jesus, you are, you are messy. And he invites you to himself so he can clean you. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in Jesus will not be put to shame. For everyone who calls on his name will be saved. And once you're saved, once you receive Christ, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will, will live inside of you supernaturally and he will set you on the way of wholeness. That's an amen statement. The Spirit, will, he will help you watch over your life as you love God and love your neighbor. He'll give you the humility that you need to evaluate your own life before you try to evaluate the life of other people. He'll be the one who aligns your confessional and your functional life so that they both hold to Jesus' golden rule. Do to other people what you want, what you want them to do unto you. That's, what, that's why Jesus says in verses 1 and 2, 
do not judge. That you not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The Greek term that's translated judge doesn't always mean condemnation. Because in our culture, anytime we hear the word judge, we automatically think judgment. We think condemnation. The term has, has a much larger range of meanings than that. It also means to evaluate, to discern, to separate, to decide. You see, Jesus isn't saying you don't hold others accountable. He's not saying you can't discern right and wrong actions in other people. He isn't saying the church can't practice church discipline. He isn't saying you can't call other Christians to repentance. He isn't saying you can't provide constructive feedback and criticism. Pennington says he offers a different translation for, for Matthew verse 1, and it's this. Do not judge unfairly. That's Christ's point. Do not unfairly judge other people. Pennington says, he, he says, the point is that the point is that not all evaluations of other people and situations must be avoided. Rather, the disciples must evaluate and discern properly and fairly. One should not judge others more harshly or by a different standard than one judges oneself. That's his point. Jesus wants his people to discern and evaluate the actions of other people properly and fairly. Do unto others what you want them to do unto you. Avoid harsh judgment. Don't judge people unfairly. Don't nitpick a person's life. This is what fault detectors do. If you're married to a fault detector, you have my empathy. Because they would nitpick you to death by everything you do that's wrong. And I, you have my empathy. Again, are you a fault detector? Walking around, beeping, when you know there's another person's shortcoming. Beep, beep, beep. But the beep is never towards you. It's always towards them. To other people. And here's the thing about Christians and non-Christians who function like fault detectors. They set themselves up like judges in a court of law. And when people fall short of their golden moral standard, they pronounce judgment upon them. They declare a guilty verdict. And Christ says to them, and he says to us, for with the unfair judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the unfair measure you use, it will be measured to you. So watch yourselves. Don't hold other people to a moral standard that you yourself can't, you, you can't even hold to. Function differently as the beloved. In verses 3 through 6, our Savior provides two illustrations to show his people how they can properly evaluate and discern the actions of others without a judgmental spirit, without being harsh, without, without shaming and condemning and guilting people. Both illustrations lead to the same application, which is self-awareness. Self-awareness. I came across a quote uh, last night while I was working on the sermon, and the quote says, it's important to know 
your own flaws and faults. It doesn't mean you dwell on them or you down yourself if you state them. Acknowledging them is knowing yourself. Self-awareness is how you decide what you can and want to change and what you should accept. Self-awareness, saints, about your own issues and sin struggles helps you to be gentle when you approach other people about theirs. It will. Every Christian on the face of the earth has issues, flaws, broken spots, blind blind spots, and faults. All of us. And see, the gospel levels the playing field. All God's people have issues. And if you forget that, that's a what? That's an issue. We all do. You see, without self-awareness, you will do what Christ says in verses 3 and 4. You will be a fault detector, quickly observing any small moral offense in another Christian or person. You will even go to that brother and sister and try to help them deal with the small offense because you want to be helpful to them. You want to you want to be helpful. So you go to them, point out their issues. And, and the problem is this. You observe and act while being blinded to the larger moral offense in your own life. Look at verses three and four with me. Christ asks, why do you see the speck that is in your, your brother's eye? But you do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Speck and log are two different things. One is larger than the other. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? And Jesus calls you a hypocrite for such behavior. He calls you a hypocrite if you're being a fault detector. So, again, you better watch yourself and how you relate to other people when it comes to their shortcomings. Because the question you should ask yourself, does Christ deal with me that way when it comes to mine? Christians are not instruments of judgment. We're testimonies of God's grace. Period. He doesn't need you. The word is good all by itself. The word is good all by itself. We forget what we used to be. Before God pulled us out of the pit, we were his enemies. And he made enemies friends. And so enemies who are not friends want to see other enemies become friends. Because we got it good over here. The grass is really greener on this side. The septic tank isn't broken. It's just greener because it's better. So when you're sharing the gospel with other people, you are, you are inviting them to green pastures. So it's kind of hard Extending grace and mercy in the gospel to people if you're too busy condemning them. Remember, how does Christ still deal with you and your sin struggles as a beloved son and daughter? If you lack self-awareness, all you have to do is ask the Holy Spirit to bless you with it. To bless you with it. In a way, he'll bless you. He will work self-awareness in your heart, in your mind. Imagine how your relationships will be with your spouse, with your kids, with your coworkers, if you have self-awareness about your own stuff. <laughs> you will be patient. You will be kinder. 
you would do what Christ says in verse 5. First, take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. That means you would do it with gentleness and compassion, with kindness and empathy. That's what it would look like. In 1996, Hip-hop artist Tupac recorded the song, Only God Can Judge Me, from his, al- from his album, All Eyes on Me. The opening lyrics of the song says, only God can judge me. Is that right? Only God can judge me now. Nobody else, nobody else. All of y'all can get out of my business. Only God can judge me is a theological statement that many people live by, including many Christians. But here's some very, very sad news for you. That is bad theology, and it's unbiblical. You see, many people use this phrase to avoid accountability. Only God can judge me. You say that because you don't want people to hold you accountable. Beloved saints, there will be times when you have to graciously confront and hold a brother or sister in Christ accountable. It will happen in our church, and it will continue to happen in our church. It will happen in your family and, and in your circle of friends. It will happen in your, in your workplace and on sports teams and in schools. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Wounds of a friend are intended to help you. Now, that may hurt, but it's for your good. One Christian theologian says, one should not always throw a cloak over a brother's faults. One must, be, one must not be meekly charitable against all reason. Holding people accountable does not mean you're condemning them. It means you're loving them. It means you're loving them. There is a place for just criticism and, and just correction and, and just rebuking in a Christian life. We all need accountability. I do. I need accountability. I have people in my life who have the right to ask me about anything in my life. How's my marriage? How's my finances? How's my activity on the Internet? Certain people have the right to ask me anything about my life. But that's where they do I want them to do that. I need them to do that. None of us are above accountability. And the so-called Christian celebrities, they need it a lot more. Pastors need it. Elders need it. Deacons need it. Missionaries need it. Lay leaders need it. Ministry leaders need it. We all need it because we all can fall short. And many of you know a, a certain person who is a celebrity Christian has fallen short. If it's going to happen to this person, it can happen to you. But keep in mind that some people, even Christians, won't accept you holding them accountable. They won't. I mean, you can be kind. You can be gentle. You can be merciful. You can even be gracious, but they still won't receive it. You can come to them with with self-awareness and and emotional IQ about your own sins, but they still won't hear you. You can discern and judge their actions fairly, but, but but your words fall on hardened hearts. As one quote says, accountability 
feels like an attack when you're not ready to acknowledge how your behavior harms others. Are you ready to acknowledge? Sometimes all you can do is speak the truth in love. Sometimes all you can do is speak the gospel in love. If a brother and sister won't receive it, then you have to let them be and give it over to Christ. If a non-Christian won't receive what you have to say to them, then turn it over to Jesus. This is one of the points of of Jesus' words in verse 6. Do not give dogs what is holy. and Do not throw your pearls before pigs. This is a Trample, trample upon them under their feet and attack you. That's one of the points there. Proverbs 29.1 says, He who is often reproved yet stiffen his, stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond healing. Will suddenly be broken beyond healing. Proverbs 9, 7, and 8 says, Whoever corrects a scoffer gets abused himself. And he who receives reproves a wicked man suffers injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. And he will love you. In the Gospel of John, chapter 15, Jesus gives, uses the, a vine and branches word picture to illustrate to his disciples that apart from him, they can do nothing. He says to them, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he who bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The same principle in John 15 applies here in Matthew 7 verses 1 through 6. You need Jesus in order to gain self-awareness. You need him. You don't need to leave here and go on pursuit apart from Christ. You need Jesus in order to discern and to judge the actions of other people fairly. You need Jesus to discern when you need to just let people be after you have spoken the truth to them in love. Because you can't be people's Holy Spirit. You cannot. You need Jesus in order to in order to confessionally and functionally live out his goals and rules. You need him to bear the fruit of verses one through six. You need him to do that. That's why he encourages and, and exhorts us to go to the father in prayer, to ask, to seek and to knock so the father can give you what you need. The God, the father is the one who gives good gifts to his kids. And one of those gifts is what he's talking about in verses one through six. He's able to do that. But do you believe it? Because sometimes you can you can read verses one through six and you can feel like you're you're standing in front of a fire hydrant. How how can I even do this? That's why Christ goes to these verses in seven through eleven. Ask, knock, seek. Ask the Father. He says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock. And it, and it will be open to you for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks it will be open to him or which one of you if his son asks for bread will give him stone or if he asks for a fish will give him a serpent if you then who are evil mean if you who have sin struggles if you know how to give good gifts to your kids then how much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask him 
How much more? You see, verses 7 through 11, they, they draw your attention away from watching your life to watching your Heavenly Father who moves on your behalf. So you've got to have this double vision about yourself. You're watching your life, but you're also watching the Father move on your behalf. It's both ends. So verses 7 through 11, our invitation is saying to you, watch God bless you. Watch God comfort you in this journey of the way. Watch him mold and, and shape you more into the image of Christ. Watch him change your heart from the inside out. Watch him uh, provide what you need so that you can relate to other people fairly and justly. Watch him give you all the things that you need so that you can live a, a flourishing life. Now, does it mean you're not going to have struggles? Does it mean you're not going to have heartaches? But what it means is that you're never alone in the way of holiness. So as you watch yourself, watch God. But Pastor, how do I watch God? It's called the good book. That's how you watch it. And what this, good, what this book gives you, you get, to, you get to watch God move in the past as he begins to move in your present. That's what this book tells you. There's a gospel song that says, he woke me up this morning. He started me on my way. It's because of grace that I'm finishing this race. Sunshine's going to come even when it seems like no fun. Everything is for a season. There's a reason. Best believe and keep on. Won't he do it? Will he? Will he? Won't he? Won't he do it? Chains are breaking. Won't he do it? Sin defeated. Won't he do it? He is gracious. Won't he do it? He is able. Won't he do it? Heal your body. Won't he do it? I need to hear some amens here. Free your mind. Won't he do it? Don't you worry. Won't he do it? He's right on time. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? As beloved sons and daughters of a good, good father. Watch the Father move on your behalf as you watch your own life. It's both and, not either or. Let us pray. You will do it, Lord. In fact, you, you've been doing it. I'm the one that's late to the party. You've been doing it. And you'll continue to do it because it's who you are. Thank you that, that your blessings and your grace is not dependent upon my performance and my productivity or my perfection. It's dependent upon who you are as my God and King. And so my prayer, Holy Spirit, is that as we, as, as the beloved, as we go out, help us to give us the humility to look, to, to evaluate our own life before we go out and evaluate the lives of others. Also, help us to watch the Father move. On our behalf, in and through us, as we navigate this valley of death that we live in every day and day out. Help us to see him. Give us the eyes to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Give us eyes to, to know, that, that, to see his presence, to feel his presence. And help our unbelief. Because if we're honest, there are times when we can't see it or sense it. 
but it's still there. Father, you're good. Spirit, you're good. Son, you're good. And I pray for all of this stuff in your precious name. Amen. If you would, please.